You're listening to To The Spirit Podcast. Hi, friends, and welcome to The Spirit. I'm Beck. And I'm Steph. Hey, Steph. Hi, Becky. So you know what you missed? I don't know. An interview. Oh, yes. yes. With your favorite subject. Not my not my favorite subject. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't even listened to it yet because I'm terrified. I told her that when I interviewed her. I said, you know, my co-host, it's a good thing she's not here right now. She would have a meltdown. Yeah, this is one of those subjects that since my childhood, I, I really, really don't like. Well, this is going to make you feel great then. It's what I'm going to share with you right now. Oh, no. <laughs> Um, is a program that's been in place for a few years in terms of a task force that that has been uh, there under the National Defense Authorization Act. But as you correctly point out, Maria, there's now a report that will be issued by the by the Pentagon, uh, by the Secretary of Defense and the Director of National Intelligence. I actually wanted to get this information out and declassified before I left office, but we weren't able to get it down into an uh, an unclassified format that we could talk about uh, quickly enough. But but frankly, there are a lot more sightings than have been made public. Some of those have been declassified. When we talk about sightings, we're talking about objects that have been seen by Navy or Air Force pilots or have been picked up by satellite imagery that, um, frankly, um, engage in actions that are difficult to explain, that um, movements that, uh, that are hard to replicate, that we don't have the technology for, or traveling at speeds that you know, exceed the sound barrier without a, a sonic boom. So, in short... Um, things that we are observing that are difficult to explain. Um, and so, uh, you know, there's actually quite a few of those. And I think that that information is being gathered and will, will be put out um, in a way that the American people can see. We always, when we, when we see these things, Maria, we always look for a, a, a plausible explanation. You know, weather can c- cause disturbances, visual disturbances. Sometimes we wonder whether or not our adversaries have technologies um, that are a little bit further down the road than we thought or that we really realized, but there are instances where we don't have good explanations for some of the things that we've seen. And, um, you know, when that information becomes declassified, I'll be able to talk a little bit more about that. (laughs) Can you tell us where it was seen? Actually, all over the world. There have been sightings all over the world. And and when we talk about sightings, the other thing I will tell you is um, it's not just a pilot or just uh, a satellite or some um, uh, intelligence collection. Usually we have multiple sensors that are picking up these things. And so, uh, you know, again, some of this are just their unexplained phenomenon. Um, and uh, there's actually quite a few more than have been made public. So I think it'll be healthy for uh, as much of this information to get out there as possible um, so that the American people can see. That was DNI John Ratcliffe talking about UFOs on Fox News. And that right there is a gem. That means our generation is going to be the generation to have a disclosure. That's really cool. Uh, we've been waiting for this for a long time. You're probably going to be really frightened when this happens, aren't you? I think so. I think a lot of people are going to be very frightened. We've all had this narrative our whole life. Nothing's out there. I think that's crazy. I'm excited, but I'm also kind of a little terrified myself. They must know a lot more. I mean, they're just going to disclose that they exist. Who knows if they've actually communicated or had interaction? Oh, they have. So that's, yeah, that's what I think is going to be the more astonishing thing. And if it changes our whole history, 
too. Our religious beliefs. People are going to have meltdowns. I think think religious people are going to really have meltdowns. I think it's going to be a shock to everybody. So this ties into our show today because we're going to talk about men in black and a little bit of the UFO community, just a little bit, little smatterings and things here and there. When I was researching men in black, I I was thinking there was going to be a lot of information on them. When uh, I looked, there's really only a repetition of a handful of of stories. And then I thought, well, why hasn't anyone seen the men in black recently? It seems like it was phenomena from like maybe the 19... 30s, 40s, 50s, you know, up until the 90s. And then the movie came out, and that was it. But when you think about, even the 80s seems so, not that it's, you know, a long time ago, but technology-wise, what things have changed. Yeah, how fast things have They almost seem like it's in a a different generation. Where before, it was a lot harder, because no one had video cameras in their phones. (laughs) That's exactly what my point was going to be, was that now that everybody's recording things, what, are they going to send MIBs everywhere? How many people are posting? There's national UFO websites and databases and stuff, right? Yeah. So if they were to disperse these MIBs, they don't have enough. Unless they're aliens. We don't know what they are yet. So Even Stephen Greer, he talked about there are people in the government that he's had to deal with. They don't want anyone to know, not because they want to hide it from people. They're trying to use it for their advantage so they can take advantage of other people. These are a bunch of like sociopathic narcissists that are in the government that want to use this information so that they can control us. Right. They control the narrative. But you're right about the slowdown in the MIBs. After a certain year, there's nothing. And I think it definitely has to do with technology. It has to do with what people are seeing and recording and reporting and how it's coming in at a faster pace, a faster rate. We're going to get into some articles that even... There's a UFO as we speak. Let's talk about men in black, or MIBs. In popular culture and UFO conspiracy theories, men in black are supposed to be men dressed in black suits who claim to be quasi-government agents who harass, threaten, sometimes even assassinate UFO witnesses to keep them quiet about what they've seen. The term is also frequently used to describe mysterious men working for unknown organizations, as well as various branches of government, allegedly designed to protect secrets or perform other strange activities. The term is generic, used for any unusual, threatening, or strangely behaved individual whose appearance on the scene can be linked in some fashion with a UFO sighting. Several alleged encounters with men in black have been reported by UFO researchers and enthusiasts. If you search MIBs, this is going to come up over and over. And like Steph said, when you start researching into it, there's only a handful or so of these stories that repeat. So we can't get real deep with it, but we will speculate a little and talk a little about it. The first known report of a mysterious stranger showing up and warning someone not to talk about their UFO encounters was in 1947 with Harold Dahl. Harold Dahl and his son were salvaging logs on a fishing boat when they spied six donut-shaped crafts flying in the air above them. The crafts dropped molten waste into the lake, which allegedly kills Dahl's dog and injures his son. A few days later, after talking about the affairs with his boss and friends, he was visited by a mysterious man dressed in an all-black. The man urged him not to discuss the encounter. Not long after, he was invited by several Air Force agents who were said to be on a mission to gather information. Dahl's story definitely got the attention of various law enforcement agencies in the United States, leading to the FBI to write a report on the matter. And not long after the encounter with the men in black, Dahl claimed that the whole thing was a hoax, 
But then he recanted years after having allegedly made the first confession under duress. I think the government has known about these occurrences. And um, for them to want to keep it quiet, they'd have to send somebody out, you know. And I don't know how the word gets out so quick. That's the one thing I was thinking about as I was researching this. For those time periods, for word to spread from it being reported maybe to a local authority, then getting to the government and them responding so quick. It always seemed to me when I would hear the stories about the men in black, almost like it had a supernatural quality. It's like, boom, they're right there. Yeah. You know, like yeah. it, there's no long period of time, unless there was, and they're just not telling us in the story that it took weeks until the men in black got there. And just their unusual look, the way that they dressed. You so know, what do you think they are? Do you think that they're government officials or a mixture of both? Or do you think they're... UFOs are crazy that today. UFO sounded like a Harley Davidson. I think it was one of those Sky Riders. Um, <laughs> but do you think that they're ETs or aliens? Because some of the descriptions of these MIBs are like freaky. I know they they are scary. They kind of sound like the black eyed people. Yes, I agree. Well, they're unusually tall, usually, right? They're yeah. like six foot or more. Some of them have been reported to not have eyebrows. Their skin looks fake. Yeah, it's just really weird. I would think I would be freaking out if I saw that. And they always seem to drive that, like, government-issue Cadillac. Yeah, the black. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> this one's a really fascinating one. This one is the one that would lead me to believe that it would be more of an extraterrestrial because I have no explanation unless this MIB was a magician, okay? So there's this guy, his name's Dr. Herbert Hopkins, and he was working as a consultant on a UFO case in Maine. And one evening he received a phone call from someone purporting to be an activist in the UFO community, asking him if he could visit Hopkins to discuss the case. Only minutes later, the man arrived. So the man, he shows up, he's wearing a black suit and a black tie, and he had a very unusual facial appearance with no hair, no eyebrows, an extremely pale figure. Now this doctor's dog, Hopkins, his dog, it began barking erratically the minute the man entered the home. And after the visitor was finished questioning him about the UFO case, the visit got even stranger. Here's how it went, according to the website, The Night Sky. The man in black informed Hopkins that there were two coins in Hopkins' pockets, which was correct, and asked him to remove one. Hopkins complied and held the coin, a shiny new penny, in the palm of his hand. The MIB told Hopkins to watch the coin closely. After a few moments, the coin took on a silvery appearance and then began to go out of focus. It then began to fade and eventually disappeared altogether. Now, the man in black informed Hopkins that the coin would never be seen on this plane again. He then inquired as to whether Hopkins was familiar with the alleged UFO abductee Barney Hill. Hopkins replied that he had heard of Hill, but was under the impression that he had died in the not-too-distant past. The MIB informed Hopkins that was correct. Barney didn't have a heart, said the MIB, just like you no longer have a coin. And it should be noted that Barney Hill actually died of a cerebral hemorrhage. The MIB then gently suggested that Hopkins destroy any of the material he had related to the UFO case. Hopkins was extremely shaken by this encounter, and he mm -hmm. followed the advice of the man and burned all the files he had related to the case. And while he had repeated phone troubles after the phone company said his line had been tampered with, maybe to tap it, he never saw the man again. But that just makes you wonder, okay, this guy makes a coin that was in the doctor's pocket. He pulls it out and looks at it. Okay, now it's going to go from copper to silvery to blurry to gone. Hmm. Interdimensional, 
What is that? It seems like it's supernatural. Dr. Albert K. Bender. And he was a well-written and extremely intelligent researcher who founded the International Flying Saucer Bureau. In 1955, his research was about to yield serious fruit as he prepared to unveil a paper that would prove the U.S. government had to one degree or, or another covered up proof of UFOs. He planned to publish his findings in the Space Review. That was until he was visited by the men in black. Bender claims that three men dressed in all black visited him at his home and warned him against pursuing the topic of UFOs any further. The men left Bender scarred for his life, and he immediately shut down all of his research in the Flying Saucer Bureau. Many people who knew him claimed that Bender was a changed man after this encounter. His later works were rambly, almost unreadable, and he seemed to live his life in constant anxiety and terror. He purported to still receive mysterious phone calls with nobody on the other end until the end of his life in 2002. That's some serious harassment. Yeah, that is. And then what the hell did they do to him? I don't know. The Solway Firth Spaceman photo invites a government visit. Isn't that a weird one, too? Have you seen this photo? Yeah, it's like a, it looks like a guy wearing a white tight shirt with some sort of big collar and like a helmety looking thing. To me, it looks like an astronaut. Yeah, kind there. of astronaut, but that is a big bulky suit like our astronauts have. Jim Templeton was shocked to discover this figure in the background of a photo of his daughter. The figure was not in the camera's view when he took the photo, and nobody had any idea where it came from. The film was verified as authentic by Kodak, and Templeton's story went public. Not long after, he was visited by two government agents who referred to themselves as number 9 and number 10. They demanded to see the site of the photo and questioned Templeton about the event. When Templeton told them he didn't see the figure personally, the men became angry and stormed out of the field, never to be seen again. Templeton was later contacted by two employees at a missile launch pad in Australia who claimed that they saw two figures that resembled the man in his daughter's photo on launch pad security footage. Apparently, the missiles at the site in Australia had been produced only 20 miles away from the field where Templeton took the photo. There's a lot of UFO stories mm -hmm. that highly involve the government because there's something that's crashed, like Roswell, like the crash that happened in Pennsylvania. I'll read up on that one in a second. So it's either government property... You know, there could be experimental things that we're doing. Yeah, that we don't, we don't know. Crashing. Yeah. I don't know if you've ever heard, Becky, there was a woman on uh, Joe Rogan, and she was saying that when she looked into a lot of the UFO conspiracies, that the government was actually... The ones providing the conspiracies? Yeah, they were providing it, plus also making people, trying to make kids look like aliens. Oh, no, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, so they were doing things to their eyes. They were trying to make them look what different. What the hell? And it sounds evil. Like, why would the government do this to kids? And she found very strong evidence for it. So you have one side where the government's purposely trying to put something out there to manipulate people that's right. not real. And also for other, especially during the Cold War, you know, you think of Russia or people that we're, we've been spying on or we're having issues with. They don't want anyone to know that they're spying on Russia. They don't want it to get to Russia. So they had things like, you know, the weather balloons or whatever they're talking about. And I guess they were always tinkering around trying to make it look like there was a UFO story, but they were falsely putting it out there mm -hmm. to confuse people. It's There's just, a lot of manipulation. Are they trying to get the American people to accept that maybe this is a possibility? Are they trying to get us to be fearful of this and 
fight against it and become warlike against anything that does interact with us. We're at a point in time now where people are burning shit to the ground. Yeah. If these ETs are benevolent and they want to come in, they have to do it in a way where we're not going to take them out. We're at this like apex in our society right now. I feel like something big is going to happen. I do too. Worldwide big. I do Whether too. Whether it's aliens or God's going to do something. I don't know, but... I'm with you. We're at such a point where everyone is so... No one has any peace inside of them. There's nothing that's making people want to get along. Everyone's a victim. Yep. It's just a weird place to be. The United States, I think, is the worst of it right now. Yeah, we are. And other countries will say that about us. They say, yeah. you guys are a mess. I mean, we have all the telltale signs of a society that's on the verge of collapse. And we are showing these historical, repetitive signs that have happened throughout each society that's collapsed. Rome, everything that's gone down, they've gone down a certain way. And here we are. We're, we're back at that point again. And going back to Stephen Greer... Who his beliefs is, you know, the alien life forms that he's come across are benevolent. But he's saying that the government is trying to create their own narrative. The government wants to control us. And then you have Project Bluebeam, which mm -hmm. is supposedly a government, like, what are they going to make everyone see something that's not really there, like a, a hologram or something? Right, which is another possibility. But then you have the abductee that I spoke to, yes. and she claims that they're all bad. Yeah, it's it's a hard thing to sift through and, and know because no one really knows everything that's out there. My fear of it makes me think there's nothing good <laughs> coming from this, you know. But at the same time, you know, if, if something were to reveal itself, you know, if it was an alien race or something and they, they seem to be good, you know, you could only accept it if that's the case. You know, most people's stories anyways, like even when they're the ones that you hear that say their abduction was good, but they're still being abducted. <laughs> right. So I'm like, right. I'm like, that's not good. <laughs> no. Well, you kind of wonder what's going on. Maybe it is a screen memory that's being shared. Maybe it's something that they're making them believe, these abductees believe that whatever's going on is a good, wholesome, happy thing. And, oh, raise your little uh, hybrid child here up on the ship. Come say hi. We don't know what they even look like, but... According, again, to Lisa O'Hara, she thinks they're walking around and they look just like us and that you wouldn't be able to tell the difference, but they are here and they are amongst us. And I don't know if that's a stretch. Is anybody there? say probably the newest MIB sighting was Dan Aykroyd. And he thinks that his show was shut down by the men in black. So he had come forward with a story about how he was taping a show about the paranormal and he stepped out to take a phone call from Britney Spears, who was asking him to appear on Saturday Night Live with her. And he noticed a black Ford parked across the street. A tall man stepped out of the Ford and stared him down. Aykroyd turned away for a moment and then turned back to find that the man and the car had completely vanished. After he finished his phone call, he returned to the studio to learn 
that his show had been canceled and he was ordered to stop filming immediately. Now, some doubt his claim, but Aykroyd says he knew what he saw and maintains that there was some kind of connection between these MIB and the end of his paranormal show. Now, I had read on a little further to find out that they still don't know. There was no excuse given why his show was canceled. And truthfully, with all the different varieties of like paranormal type shows, his would have been awesome because he's really yeah. good at that. Yeah. That was what I thought was the newest. And I'm not sure if this predates it or not, but happened in 2009 in Niagara Falls. It was a hotel manager and a security guard that worked at the Sheridan Hotel. And supposedly in October of 2008, they saw a triangular UFO. And then May of 2009, two men dressed in black visited the Sheraton Hotel looking for the employees who saw the UFO. Neither of these two were working that day, but supposedly the men in black were repeatedly asking to see them. The footage is contained on a YouTube video. Have you seen that video of them walking into the hotel? Yes, that's the first time I've ever was introduced to the, the story of Men in Black. And that was on Unsolved Mysteries. They showed it yeah. like 1987. So that's the first time I saw and was aware of that. And it freaked me out. They're unusual looking. They're super pale. They almost look like they're wearing white skin. On their, yeah, it's like it's like, white. Yeah, it's, it's not, not real. Even, <laughs> it's not even, you know, flesh colored. It's just white. Like yeah. dead fish white. And that's what they were talking about in previous articles we read, is that these people's skin looks unreal. And then they have no hair, no eyebrows. I mean, come on, what are they wearing? Some kind of flesh mask? Is it like a, could be a Halloween mask, but it's just creepy. Of course, they got all the garb. They got their hat usually on, the sunglasses, and, you know, the typical men in black thing. It's it's weird. I mean, if it's an intimidation tactic, it works to dress that way, to look that way. Yeah. I think I would be terrified if the government came knocking on my door for any reason. <laughs> I'd be like, no, no, I'm not interested in anything anymore. I'm podcast. No, I can quit. We'll quit tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> for a certain sum of money. We've run through a few of the men in black. I mean, you can extensively research it. There's a few more that we didn't go over. But did you know that Arnold Schwarzenegger is named the best celebrity to handle an alien invasion? Run to the chopper. <laughs> of course, women can never do a proper uh, Arnold's No, we can't. Because our voices always, are no. not Oh, I could pitch us down. Try it again. <laughs> Run to the chopper. An odd survey asking which celebrity would be an ideal person to handle an alien invasion found actor Arnold Schwarzenegger at the top of the spot. The weird poll reportedly conducted by the British TV station Blaze as part of their forthcoming UFO week asked 2,000 residents of the country which star they felt would be most equipped to deal with the arrival of hostile ETs here on Earth. Of course, they're picking him because he was the Terminator star, right? Well, he is uh, Mr. Universe. <laughs> but then that was followed by Will Smith, who famously fended them off in Independence Day. Well, Arnold Schwarzenegger seems to me like I'd probably pick him over Will Smith. Do you know who came in eighth place? Go ahead, just try to guess. Eighth place. Man or woman? Man. Uh... MacGyver. Donald Trump. <laughs> Donald Trump. They think. Because <laughs> he invented Space Force. Space Force. <laughs> 12th was Boris Johnson. Uh, 19th was Kamala Harris. Kamala. Harris. And Biden was at the bottom of the top 20. Apparently. They Biden looks like a men in black. You put like a. <laughs> put a big dark like trench coat on him. He's got the pale skin. Asked how they would personally handle an alien invasion, 26% of the people polled said that 
they would gather supplies and hopefully survive the situation with a mere 10% said they would try to broker peace with the extraterrestrials, likely by making them cautionary first victims of the space siege. In response to the first place, showing Schwarzenegger took to the Twitter and declared, I want to thank all the people for putting their faith in me. I'm ready to serve. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm not falling into that category of welcome. I'm not going to be the people on the building in Independence Day with the signs that are like, welcome aliens, welcome space brothers and sisters. Because I don't know if they eat us. <laughs> <laughs> well, hopefully... They can't handle one of our elements on Earth, like water. What was the movie where they drink? They had the water and it disintegrated them. Oh yeah, was that uh, close? No, Space Invaders. <laughs> was not a video like game. It, I feel like your body snatcher type of situation there. Um, something. The faculty, space worm in them, and yes. the teachers were drinking the that water. That was it. Yeah, the faculty. Okay. <laughs> wow, there's so many today. There. are. And it, it just seems like... We talk about it and then just picked right up, didn't it? It's amazing. They're coming for us, Claudia. It's because there's a river here. They follow the river. They do. And if I'm up in a spaceship, I'm going to follow the river. There's a big line. It's blue. I can see it. <laughs> Leads to people. Last paranormal news share, we talked about a UFO that was spotted on a Russian newscast. On March 1st of this year, there was a UFO spotted on an Israeli newscast. A sharp-eyed individual watching the newscast noticed a curious ball of light hovering in the sky behind a reporter. Some suspect that the oddity could be alien in nature. It's the Bethlehem star. Could have been. <laughs> could have been. <laughs> I just find it interesting that they're showing up on the news now. How much so more weird. proof do we need here? I mean, they're, they're zooming in behind news anchors. <laughs> <laughs> Did you know that they found a baby penguin on Mars? No, I haven't seen any of the latest images on Mars. Do you have a picture of that? I do. And undoubtedly, one of the first such instances of an anomaly hunter scouring images from the new Mars Perseverance rover spotted the unusual oddity resembling a baby penguin on the red planet. Why a baby? Why not a, regu mm. a regular adult penguin? <laughs> <laughs> I think this is a Martian penguin. You can kind of see it. It's circled. Oh, Wow. It was moving around, Steph. It was not moving around. Hit the video. Hit play. This is Scott, and I found something on Mars that's just going to blow your mind or going to make you laugh all day. This looks like a bird on Mars. Not just a normal bird, not just a It looks like a baby bird. penguin because of the colors. It looks like they're, they're baby feathers. Mars. Yeah. Do you see right here where my cursor is? Right here. I'm circling it because, well, it's... It's a huge photo, and I'm going to get lost. Hey, hey, no, he sounds I like the Bob it. Ross of okay, Mars Explorers. Do you see you the bird, see Steph? The bird I thought relative. you said it was moving in around. No, I laughed. <laughs> oh, you made me hold on for that one. That's a photo. Everybody. I'm no, just it's gullible. <laughs> what do you think of the penguin? I don't think it's a penguin. <laughs> Well, now you're changing it on me. You said it looked like a baby penguin. It looks like it, but I don't think it's a penguin. I think that it's a Mars rock that's shaped like a penguin. Like a penguin. Unless yeah. the penguin got lost somehow. But why it is it Mars. white? It doesn't match the colors of the Mars, the Martian soil. I don't know. It's a baby penguin stuff. Maybe it's a photo of Afghanistan. We don't know. <laughs> okay. Okay. <laughs> and then my last crazy kind of UFO-y thing. There's a space hotel, and it aims to open in 2027. Where is it? In Roswell? 
this is going to be launched. This is what they want to do. It's um, the Voyager station. Once it's completed, they're going to share details as how they intend to push off such an audacious project. It's designed to accommodate approximately 400 people spread throughout 24 habitation modules. The ring-shaped space station will measure 650 feet in diameter and will reside in low Earth orbit where it will rotate in a manner that will generate gravity similar to that found on the moon. Now, much like the luxurious cruise ships here on Earth, the hotel is going to be equipped with a vast array of amenities, including restaurants, recreational activities, specifically a bevy of attractions designed to take advantage of the facilities out of this world setting. In addition to space tourists, the company hopes to sell spots on the station to various governments and any other large organizations that wish to study or make use of its unique artificial gravity. They hope to begin construction on this space hotel in 2025, and, you know, they're going to launch it by 2027. With that in mind, those hoping to visit the space hotel sometime in the future will probably want to start saving now because the estimated cost for just a three and a half day visit is five million. So five million. That's a lot. (laughs) Is that really in outer space? Is that what they're saying? Yeah, they're saying you're going to be able to go stay in that. Oh, wow. It's like a big wheel. Right. What you've seen in sci-fi movies. Yeah, it looks it's like gonna, a Star Trek vehicle or yeah, something. Yeah, it's going to be spinning around. It, it's going to produce its own little gravity. You're not going to be floating. You're just going to be walking around like, hey, I'm at my space hotel room. Come party at my space hotel room. Everyone who's got five million each, come <laughs> come party. Do you remember when we were kids, there was always something we would see in school, like elementary school. And there was always these kids that for some reason could go to space camp. Didn't it, like, go to NASA down in Florida and they would do space camp? Yeah. Do you remember? The, yeah. I would want to do that. That was big in that. the 80s, right? Yeah, so I would want to do it so bad. But it always seemed like these kids were actually really smart. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I'm not that material. No, no we just wanted to go on the zero-G rides and yeah. stuff. I trained all day at the playground. I wound up the swing and went really fast in circles. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows about Roswell. That's probably the most... Known like a UFO crash, but there's one in um, Kecksburg, Pennsylvania. Basically, this article is stating five decades later, the Kecksburg UFO is identified, probably. Fifty years after the famous Kecksburg UFO streaked across the December sky and landed in a wooded hollow, two Westmoreland County researchers have put forth a theory that they say explains it. The unidentified flying object that came down December 9, 1965, they say was a General Electric Mark II re-entry vehicle that had been launched by the Air Force as a spy satellite but fell out of orbit. So this is like, there's always, it's, it's, it's a weather all, balloon. Yeah, it's, and it's weird because as we go along, I'll probably mention it. The military was right on that. So they were viewing, they're looking all the time for stuff coming into the atmosphere. So they were right on it. Immediately. Local authorities came first. People were surrounding it. And they said it was acorn-shaped. Okay. Just a weird shape. So authorities at the time, however, said it was a meteorite. Mm. That official claim has been challenged but never changed. Researchers consider the Kecksburg UFO one of the great unsolved mysteries that people in the tiny town of Kecksburg still talk about. Witnesses who saw it before members of the military swooped in and took it away... Say it was not a meteor, but a craft of some kind. So if a meteor came in, it would have disintegrated into pieces. Look at the uh, meteor that went 
down in Russia yeah. somewhere, and it was like a huge. I'm wearing some of it around my neck right now. Oh, you have some of that? Yeah, it's around my. Are neck. you trying to attract the aliens to you? Moldavite is my favorite gem. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to tell them that they're my space brother and sisters, and please don't eat me. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Okay. So the years have muddled a few recollections, but a, accounts at the time agree on several points. It was 4.47 p.m. when it came out of the sky from the northwest, a flaming object over Canada, then Ohio, and into western Pennsylvania. It appeared to be guided, changing its path and making a level descent away from residential areas and into the woods of Kecksburg. So it was moving in different directions. It wasn't like one long streak. It actually diverged. Which smoke. makes no sense if it's just a piece of space debris. Yeah. The first people on the scene said it was partly buried in the ground. It was made of metal. You know, if people are seeing it, that's not meteorite. meteorite right. Meteorites are magnetic, but they don't look, look like rocks. Right. It said it was between 10 and 12 feet long and generally shaped like an acorn. So if that hit the ground at a high rate of speed, it would be massive destruction. Right. Like a be mini in, Grand Canyon. Intact and just kind of semi-buried in the ground. Yeah. <laughs> there were strange markings on the band near the bottom that resembled hieroglyphics. This was the same thing that people saw, I think, on the Roswell UFO, some sort of weird hieroglyphic. And the military was on the remote scene within an hour, and by 8 p.m. it was gone, hauled away on the back of an Army flatbed truck. John Venter, state director of the Mutual UFO Network, that's MUFON, did not begin earnestly looking into the Kexbird mystery until this year, he said. What the hell? I know. I'm like, oh, that's a long okay, time ago. Okay. We're in COVID lockdown. I might as well start my research now. <laughs> because, <laughs> because so many others already were on the case. Okay, so that's his reason. There's okay. other people in the case. Mm -hmm. But Shafton native Owen Eichler, who had spent decades investigating it, came to him in February with a theory and some evidence that seemed to add up in the two joint forces. Their research put forth in a report with the title, Has a Top 5 UFO Case Been Solved? Suggests the vehicle was launched from Johnson Island in the Pacific two days earlier as part of America's top secret program for spying on the Soviet Union from space. Of course, no one ever wanted to admit we were spying on Russia, Mr. Venter said, offering an explanation as to why the object was taken away and never explained. Mm. Like the government doesn't give us any explanations calling, anyways. Yeah, I'm calling BS on this. Yeah. Well, I'm just going to stop at that. Because well, it's... I'm going to say this. If that's what it was, was an acorn-shaped <laughs> space debris. Yeah. Then why all the cattle mutilations? And this is coming in from March 16th this year. Oregon authorities investigating another series of mysterious cattle mutilations. The cause of these deaths were not natural. Certain body parts were removed from the cows. I'll just leave it at that. It's very disturbing. <laughs> I know that we tear animals apart to eat them. But yeah, we do it in a certain <laughs> manner, not right out be... in the field. <laughs> so, Steph, guess what? What? This is our 50th episode. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Should we celebrate this somehow? Yeah. Okay. I think this is what we're going to do. Okay. Go and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or any way you can leave a review. Go leave us a review. If you leave us a review on Apple, we will go and pull all the names from the review and we will announce that in one of our shows. And the lucky winner will receive a t-shirt, a To The Spirit t-shirt. And it'll be cool, guys. It'll be really cool. 
might even throw a little extra something something in there for you. Just go and leave us a review. Help us out. Help us get up in the algorithms. In turn, you'll get a free t-shirt out of the deal. And it's a pretty cool t-shirt. And you're helping to support us. Let us celebrate our 50th by giving you a t-shirt. If you want to get a hold of us, leave us a message at anchor.fm forward slash to the spirit. Or you can go to our Gmail at to the spirit pod at gmail.com. You can get a hold of us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or everywhere you want to be, just like MasterCard. Or is it American Express? <laughs> Don't know. <laughs> Don't know either. <laughs> <laughs> but we appreciate your support, listeners. Actually, we have a new country, too. We're up to 26 countries now. This time, it is South Korea. South Korea. How do they say? Is it hello? Is it similar to Kanichiwa Is Japanese, it Kim Samida? I don't know. I don't know. Welcome, Korea. Annyeong. And hello. Wow. It was an Annyeong? I think so. That's kind of a difficult thing to say. It really is. <laughs> I think I only know one Korean phrase, and it's like, may I have the check, please? Ajima, check Josel. Please don't be offended by my terrible Korean. Uh, that's all I know. <laughs> <laughs> but I want to thank you listeners for supporting us. Stephanie has a quote from Ronald Reagan. <laughs> Should I do it in Ronald Reagan's voice? Like, Go ahead, do <laughs> no, it. I don't think I could do it. Do it for like a second okay. and I'll screw it up. So this is what he had to say. Mm -hmm. uh, this is a very profound thing because we're talking about aliens. And obviously he was a world leader. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Ain't that the truth. Amen. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. To the Spirit Podcast. Supernatural Science. Alien. I'm ghost. ghost. Psychic. Mystic. Spirit. Divine source. Heaven. The dead. It's magic, magic.